Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest Eye Clarity episode. Good morning, everybody. It's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to another High Clarity Podcast. So you're in for a treat today. I'm actually teaching a one-hour workshop to a group of health vision practitioners, and I'm talking about the chiroscope. I'm going to be talking today about the chiroscope, and this is an instrument that measures binocular vision and the projection of the visual pattern of focusing. So enjoy the show. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. And it's great to be back with you and so excited to be sharing this information. So my topics today are going to be the chiroscopic tracing, the chiroscopic machine. We'll get into things like uh, the Van Orden stars, And maybe if we have time, we'll do some vision therapy techniques and also maybe talk about peripheral vision. So the instrument, the chiroscopic tracing is is from what we call a chiroscope. And the chiroscope is an instrument that measures a couple of things. It measures how well your two eyes work together and we call that binocular vision. And the second thing that the chiroscopic uh, tracings and the chiroscope tell us is whether or not a person is suppressing or shutting down one of their eyes. A day doesn't go by in my own office where I'm testing somebody using this, the chiroscope and their visual acuity is 20-20 at distance and near. But when we put them on the chiroscope and we show them, you know, some of the pictures like the dog and the pig or the balloons, in other words, those particular cards require that a person is using both of their eyes together simultaneously. And every day in my office, I will get... I would say a very high percentage of people who, when they touch one of the objects as they look into the scope, that 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 image disappears. And one of the ways I like to present the experience is I'll put the slide in the chiroscope and I ask an open-ended question, Socratic guidance, what do you see? And in that open-ended question, it tells me a lot about, you know, the way a person answers. Like yesterday, and I had two uh, girls, twins, who actually you referred to me, and they're they're six years old. They went to a traditional eye doctor who said that their eyes are healthy and they see 20-20. But mom was curious about their visual tracking problem. 
Well, when I put them in the chiroscope and I had them look at the dog and the pig, the way they both answered, it was very interesting. They both said, um, I see a dog and that was it. I see a dog. And then I would have to prompt them again. Well, what else do you see? Oh, over here on the left side, I actually see a pig. But the pig seems to be blinking on and off. So what that is saying right there is because the right eye sees the dog and the left eye sees the pig, that there's a lot of binocular instability in their, um, their two-eyed vision, their depth perception, and so on. And they had no idea, and mom had no idea, that the left eye was cutting out. Now, that's the brain shutting off the eye. And the reason why we do that, it's an adaptive response because we want to avoid seeing double. So immediately I asked her, oh, when you read, do you ever see double? And she said, yeah, all the time. And of course, mom, you know, was floored by this because she had never realized that her daughter was seeing double. And so sometimes when I present the cards, if it's a high level person, adult or child, I'll actually ask them, you know, what do you see? And so that answer tells me they're separating their vision. I only see the dog. I'm preferring my right eye. And you have to kind of wake up their awareness to say, oh, I actually see something on the left side. But sometimes what I'll do, and you could do this too in a high functioning person, is you could say to them, okay, you, what do you see in the picture? And they'll, they'll tell you. And then you could say, close your right eye and what disappears. And this is so great because this tells you about their directionality and their laterality, how well they're able to project their right left on a symbol or out in the world. See, we get all these kids that are reversing letters and words and numbers. Well, part of the issue is, of course, as their own confusion inside themselves, they just, they're just projecting that, that confusion out there, especially when you start introducing complex pictures or symbols or so on. So sometimes, you know, you say close the right eye and they go, oh, I only see the pig. Okay, well, that tells you something else that they're not really connecting to what their right eye is seeing. They're actually immediately going to the image that's still there, the left eye. So you might need to Socratically ask them, all right, if you close your right eye, what disappears? And see if they can actually make that discovery that they're connecting their right eye to the image of the dog. So this is like you're doing vision therapy while you're also diagnostically testing how well you know their binocular vision is working. So then you have them open the right eye and then you say, close your left eye, what image disappears? And they're gonna say, uh, hopefully the pig, but some of the kids will say like this other, the, the, the sister uh, yesterday when she closed the left eye, she said, oh my goodness, I see the dog. And I had to talk with her for a few minutes and then she recognized that the left eye sees the pig and the right eye sees the dog. And you can test this out on your own 
when you, you know, look into the chiroscope and I recommend everybody do this, you know, just the other day I redid my own Van Orden star and it was very interesting what my drawing was showing and I've been doing some vision therapy on myself and things completely switched in terms of which eye I was preferring. But in any case, so you, you get them to kind of see which eye sees which image. And then the next thing that you can do is in this action picture, okay, what's going on in the picture? Well, I see the dog. And then over here, I see the pig. And so that's going to tell you that, again, they're fragmenting their, their peripheral vision and their visual uh, world where they're separating and narrowing and tunneling. They're not able to see the whole picture. You know, like in figure ground, they're really good at seeing the details, perhaps, but they have a hard time seeing the whole picture. So just as an example, and I don't want to get too, too complicated here, but usually the children that are nearsighted, that's the way they see the world. I see the dog and then I see the pig because that's they prefer the detail. Whereas a farsighted child might say, oh, I see the dog jumping over the pig. So in other words, they're able to see the whole picture. But perhaps if they start looking at one of the animals, it starts to fade out. And this is what was happening yesterday with both these children. They would just look at each individual animal and things would start disappearing. So you get information. Can they really see the action picture, the dog jumping over the pig or whatever slide you're showing them? Because that's going to tell you perceptually how they're processing information and take a note of that as you move into the, you know, the physical therapy, because you may need to introduce them to certain directional uh, directional things where you either have to break it down or you have to give them conceptually the whole picture or you know wherever they're weak you know you want to start building in perceptually can they verbalize it can they feel it can they see it and in other words that multi-sensory type of experience okay anyway after you've done that where they're just looking at it you bring the motor into it so up to this point, we're pretty motor free, but now you're going to give them a pointer or a, some some um, something they can point to the to the chiroscope and point to the actual picture. So it was interesting yesterday. One of the children, when I gave her the pointer and I said, "Touch the dog," and she began to touch the dog, she actually went behind the chiroscope. And she was searching for where the dog was. So she's looking through the binoculars and she is touching in space behind where the dog is. So that's telling us spatially, she's really confused. Her body is saying, I think things further away are further away than where I visually see them. And so I'm using my proprioception override my vision as a way to try to figure out where where I am in space and where that object is in space. In fact, mom made me stop the exam and she went, my goodness, now I understand why she's always spilling her drinks or uh, she's bumping into things. And 
when we get to the Van Orden star, I'll show you the Van Orden star and how that is, that's why it's happening. Anyway, so I had her touch the dog. She went behind the screen and then I had her touch the pig. And interestingly, she moved closer with the pointer and she was actually touching it in front of the pig, in front of the, where the chiroscope, uh, where the picture is being held by the chiroscope. So her right eye was under focusing and her left eye was over focusing. I got all that information in like 30 seconds just by having her touch each of the objects. Okay, I asked her a bunch of questions and she figured out that she was able to touch the dog, feeling the chiroscope, feeling the card, and immediately what she said is, oh, the dog's tail is going away when she would touch it. And then she would touch the pig and she said, oh, it was the pig's nose that was going away when I touched the pig. So there's all kinds of alternating suppression, binocular instability, confusion and spatial understanding. I mean, here you go, you get it. I got it all in one minute. And at that point, I started to do some primitive reflex testing and she was so strong in the fear paralysis, the Moro, she had a breech birth. Um, her neck was so tight. Her TLR was positive, and the ATNR was really positive as well. So here she is. She's getting ready to start first grade. The, the mom's not understanding why she's not learning to read. Well, the reflexes are really dominating this, and you can see in the chiroscope, the binocular vision is showing all the, these things. But here I have a report from the traditional eye doctor that said her eyes are perfect. She sees 20-20 at distance and her eyes are healthy. And we, we get this story over and over again. And the chiroscope is such a powerful instrument that tells you so many things on why the child is having a learning or, or reading issue. Now, the, I just wanna just briefly talk about the other child because when I put her into the chiroscope and I showed her the dog and the pig, what she did was that when I gave her the pointer, this was very interesting. I said, touch the dog, will you? And she said, sure. And she went into the eyepiece that she was looking through, and that's where she was touching the dog. So one, one of the girls thought the image was behind the chiroscope, and the other said, oh, I'm touching the animal in the eyepiece. That's where it is. So in her visual setup, she is really tunneling and she thinks that the object is here and proprioceptively when she's feeling the eyepiece, she goes, that's where, that's where the dog is. That's where the pig is. So <laughs> that tells you so much about, you know, one was kind of EXO, the first one, the second uh, child was ESO. And they both had intermittent strabismus that was somehow missed in the eye exam, but one is localizing very closely and the other is localizing very far away and the eyes are splitting. So again, it was very insightful in how we did the Van Orden star. Now, I'm gonna show you 
a picture here, this one, and you can see that this is the right eye, it's over-focusing, and this is the left eye under-focusing. It's pretty common with these kids that when you start doing the Van Orden star, that's the, the one with the pencil, that you will see whether the two eyes are actually contacting. Now, another thing that happens, here's another uh, hey, picture Kerry. of another patient. Now, here's the second one. Whoops. There was a vertical displacement here. So the right eye was up and the left eye was down. Are you able to see that? Uh-huh. Okay. So when you when you do the Van Orden star in the chiroscope, you're going to start to see a lot of different configurations. And of course, the expected is this. Able to see this? Uh-huh. Okay, good. So the Van Orden star is a great test. Be, be, the Van Orden star is a great test because it's really measuring a projection of the visual pattern. And through the drawing, you can actually see how a person's eye posture is. And then, of course, you can watch their body posture as they do it their pencil grip are they able to draw with the non-dominant hand and on and on but it's it's basically a binocular vision space test that's going to tell you and it's a great one to show the parents what's happening with the peripheral vision the binocular vision the visual aiming and it's going to tell you a lot of things around you know where the child is in terms of the fine fine motor control and so by having both the pictures for the chiroscope and then moving into the pencil testing the van orden star you're going to get a pretty good readout on what the child's visual pattern is and then from that place you could actually start correlating the primitive reflexes, the vestibular uh, relationship to the visual system. So in, in these two kids yesterday, their vis vestibular systems were virtually shut off. They were so over visually contacting that their vestibular system was not engaging whatsoever. And I saw it in the moral reflex. I saw it in some of the bilateral movement things we were doing. They basically could not contact their vestibular system. And it was interesting because mom had never heard of craniosacral therapy. So we talked about that as a great adjunct, as well as you know the reflex work and, and some of the birth trauma that was going on and um, and also some of the biochemistry imbalances that I that I found um, that 
that definitely would help on a cellular level. So I'm going to pause here. I've been talking for a long time, and I'd like to get into a conversation or at least get some get some feedback from you on questions or what else you need. I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> You're too easy. Well, we've just gotten to see you do it a lot. And so um, I think people are at least familiar with the idea. Now it's just going to take us diving in and doing it ourselves. And also getting some feedback on, you know, reading the graphs, which we may end up having to do over time is just send you the yeah. VO star pictures and say, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. Sure, sure. I mean, the graphs are great because you can do a before and after. You know, when you've got a when you've got a situation like this, again, if I freeze again, just uh, let me know. Okay. Yeah. Hold I, for a I'm, second. I'm, okay, we got gotcha. you. Go ahead. When when I'm doing um, a lot of eye patch work, like yesterday, we we did the eye patch with the ball bounce. We did the eye patch with the Marsden ball. You know, we did the eye patch with, um, you know, just some simple flashlight following a ball. And mom was definitely able to see the tracking issues and the differences between the two eyes, as well as the spatial decision-making that her children were making. And because of the confusion in their visual space world, they were basing the visual space uh, information on their proprioception and moving their body. It's no wonder that, you know, sports and their clumsiness and, you know, so many things were, were spotlighted that, that mom finally understood the connection of how the visual system is like our GPS and just using the eye chart as a, you know, as the, the, the only thing you're evaluating in a child's vision is not enough. So, um, again, I'm going to pause. Any other questions or comments before we move on to the, some of the vision therapy um, exercises using the chiroscope? Dr. Byrne, I have a question. Okay, fire away. Um, between the EXO and ESO, would those both present the same as like clumsy um, bumping into things, or is there a difference between the two? Well, in an ESO, the ten tendency is, is I'm going to run into things, and uh, I'm probably going to have a little more defensiveness uh, than you know, um, so if you come into my space world, you might see more of a recoil or a, a trauma response. Whereas in the EXO, that person is, is since they're more globally uh, processing, they're going to be probably attention-wise more spaced out. And so what you see there is they might do well 
kind of in an open room where there's a lot of movement. But um, if you ask them to localize, say on a ball or, you know, catching something, a lot of times they're going to close their hands faster than, you know, the ball coming at them. So they have more difficulty in the globe, you know, in the local realm, whereas the, the ESO has more problems in the global realm. Uh, but the ESO is more of a defense, whereas the EXO is more of the relaxed attitude. Um, I'm spaced out, I'm more chilled out, but they just, they have a hard time coming into detail. And that's how you're going to see it. Um, both motor wise, cognitive wise, and so on. Like when I put the parquetry blocks on the floor and I had them work together to solve some of the puzzles, they brought very different processing styles to how they solved the problem. Um, the ESO had a very difficult time um, building the whole picture. Like she got stuck in this one area and she kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the EXO came in and said, hey, what if we did this over here? Okay, so then the ESO went, oh, okay, finally, I understand. But then we did another puzzle and it was more detail oriented and the ESO was able to figure it out and it helped the EXO because the EXO was like, too many pieces. I don't know, you know, what are we doing here? So this, you can really see the style, the learning style, the, the processing style on a cognitive level on how they, they actually worked really well together and they loved doing the parquetries. They loved it. It was, we spent about 15 minutes and they didn't want to stop because it was something that both of them really enjoyed the hands-on and having some success with some of the more gross motor and primitive reflex things i could see in both of them that there was trauma that had happened at birth one was a breach and one was a, a c-section and there was there were like the polyvagal theory you could polyvagal you could see that they were really stuck in the night flight freeze response there and, you know, I, I did a little cranial sacral with them on the floor and they both immediately released the, the defensiveness and the stress and the muscular tension that they were both carrying. And that was a really good signal to me that, you know, if they could get some regular cranial work along with the reflex integration and some of the other things that they would really benefit. Uh, so a lot came out of that session, you know, just within 30 minutes of what they needed, what's the homework, where are they going? And, um, you know, they both tested very positive for the low plus learning lenses, but the way we left it is they would only use those learning lenses during their physical therapy time. That's the way we were going to start it and see where, you know, in an reevaluation, whether they actually needed the learning lenses for school and so on. I mean, they're both getting ready to start first grade. So we'll see 
you know, how they land in first grade based on what's going on in their visual system right now. Thank you. Okay, anybody else? We're good? We're good. Okay, so in some of the vision therapy, when you've got these pictures of like the square or the triangle or we in in my office we have animals we've got snoopy what you can do with that is you there's a there's a vertical line that is on each sheet or should be and you can line up that vertical line so it's right in front of either the middle, the right lens, or the left lens of the chiroscope. So let's say, for example, you took one of those pictures and you lined up that vertical line so it was in front of the right lens. And let's say it's a right-handed person. This is a great starting point where you just ask them to directly trace over the picture. And what's beautiful about it is it's a vertical it's a vertical position. They've got the pencil. They're looking in. They're projecting their focus out. Can they track? It's a great tracking exercise, but it's very Is it this one? Low confrontation. Yes, it's that one. So it's a it's a low confrontation where they're practicing their eye hand and they're tracking. It's beautiful. It's a great way to do that. So if you've got kids that say have tracking issues, that is a fun way for them to start engaging their eye hand and their tracking. Now, you can put it over the right. You can also take that picture and you can put it over the left lens. This is very interesting. Now, when you do that, you're doing a cross and you actually has, ha ask them to trace it, but it's the left eye that's the inputting eye and the right eye in this case is the outputting eye. So what they're gonna draw on the paper is you'll see one image that's there and the image that they're drawing, which is next to it, it won't be on top of them. Now, the, the challenge point is that they could start suppressing and it's going to tell you about the input processing output from the left eye to the right eye. Now, obviously, whatever they do with it is what they do with it. And if you see the suppression and, you you know, whatever whatever is going on, you're going to have to manage them so that they don't completely fall apart. But it's a great binocular exercise in getting them to have input on one eye and output with the hand on the other eye. And I would start it that way where the dominant, the dominant side is the eye that's the output. Okay, now you can also take that image and you can put it in front of the left lens. Let's say it's their non-dominant hand and you can ask them to do a direct trace with their non-dominant hand. Again, it's great for eye hand, it's great for tracking. If you're trying to improve 
the focus on the left side. So I'm going to uh, re refer to this picture. This eye is over-focusing. This left eye is under-focusing. <clears throat> now, when you give them the pencil in their left hand, you are starting to, to change the mapping of the eye-brain connection because now you're asking them to connect proprioceptively and visually. This is where I feel the, the picture. This is where I see the picture. And they're doing a direct trace. So it's a wonderful way to get them to start to focus their left eye and match their vision with their proprioception. Now, the fourth way to do it is to move the, the image to the right side, giving them the pencil in their left hand, non-dominant side, let's say. The right eye is now the input eye, and the left eye is the output eye, and you're tracing. Okay, like you, you, know, you see, I want you to trace it. You're now going to get the images side by side this way. So that's the fourth way of improving the binocular vision through the input on the right and the output on the left. Now we're talking conceptually here. My advice always is to try it yourself first. And it's normal that when you do that crossing where one eye is seeing it and the other eye is, is helping you draw it, you're going to get some suppression, that's normal. It's going to take some time for you to navigate, where am I supposed to put my pencil? Sometimes what happens is you draw for a while and you start drawing the image differently. So you're not even on the same initial picture. So that's also going to tell you something about how the focus starts drifting from one side of the midline to the other. And I want to emphasize midline here because in the yoke prisms where you're using the left and the right, this is an amazing tool to be able to shift a child's visual midline that is off, that's skewed. And most of these kids, their visual midline and their body midlines are not lined up. That is why the lateral yoke prisms are valuable. And so if you haven't played with the lateral prisms, I would definitely do so. So you actually can feel part of your brain waking up when you shift the midline into that area. I mean, it's pretty profound that the dominance in the vision, when you use those prisms, it is really shifting uh, the peripheral vision and the balance between the two eyes. So um, I think I'll pause here and see what your questions or feedback is. Yeah, this is one we haven't seen before, Dr. B. So what they're asking for is to maybe have you coach through those four ways of using this square, this rectangle. So could maybe one of the students, it would be, do any of you know you have challenges with your vision at all? I do. Come on up. 
And so also in the manual, it will tell you how to line these up on here. Um, and so I'll have that out for you so that you can look at with, for the first couple of times you do it, how to line it up on the thing. So you're gonna sit and I might have to, so this is how you lift this up. This right here, this, um, this uh, little thing right here allows you to lift it and lower it. We have this also so that you can maybe have kids standing, which, they really recommend you do it standing. Dr. Byrne doesn't always have them standing, but he, he, the manual recommends you have them standing because you're gonna be able to watch their posture and their vestibular stuff. So you can do it sitting down first. I wouldn't do it on a spinny chair. I would get a solid chair and just line them up so that, um, that you could scoot forward and see pretty easy. Is that good? And then just tighten it back up. Yeah, he, I think I think Dr. Byrne, can you see her? I'm going to uh, I'm going to magnify her. Let's see if I can. Hold on. Can you see this in your in the right eye? Yeah, perfect. Okay. Am I supposed to say no? We double click our picture. Okay. So. Okay, sure. So what you're going to do is, uh, can you put the image um, in front of the right lens? Have yes. you done that? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. So, so now what I'd like you to do is I want you just to trace over the picture with your pencil. Uh -huh. And give us any feedback, anything that's that's coming in that you want to say challenges you're having. It's just really disorienting to see both, like to not have my left eye closed. So Dr. Of Burns, course. Yeah, you could hear her okay? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I see her in here. Yep. Mm -hmm. We're good. So, you know, at this point, you could either continue or not with the disorientation. All right, so now let's put the pencil in your left hand. Okay. And let's trace it again. I don't even know how to hold a pencil in my left hand. Okay. So now I'm going to I'm going to make a different set of directions on this and see if you can now draw the picture on the left side instead of tracing it. Next to it on the left. No, 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 use your left hand. I'll use the left hand. <laughs> and now draw it. See if you can draw it. Is that different? Yeah. In what way? <laughs> they're overlapping, but they're not. Yeah, they're like overlapping when I look okay. at it. Okay, so just continue if you can. If you can't, that's okay. Uh -huh. I'm good. But you're good. Yeah. Okay. You so you you drew the picture. All right. Take a look at what you just made, and is is that is that second picture where I asked you to draw it? Is it to the left of the first picture? Yes. Okay. So um, I'm going to make an addendum here. 
And the addendum is level one is right hand, right object on top. Level two is left hand tracing over the image on the right side. And level three is drawing the picture. So that's where you make sure you get the input on the right side and the output on the left side. So we'll make that distinction. All right, now let's slide the paper over to the left eye. And you're gonna use your left hand and you're gonna trace it. In the left hand? Yes, please, if you're able to. And what was your experience with that? How did that feel? I, was I, it, I feel like I'm guessing where it is because it's way blurrier than it was in my right eye. Okay. So, you know, I would note that left eye blurrier. In other words, those, these are great subjective things. Beautiful. Really good. Now you're going to take the pencil and put it in your right hand and trace it again. Is that not? <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. You're doing great. Oh, uh, no, I'm not. Okay. Are you tracing or drawing? Tracing? <laughs> okay. I, did I okay. not? Okay. Now, now, that's okay. So now, what was your experience in tracing it? I couldn't see my pencil. How was it? <laughs> couldn't see your pencil. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, I drew it and I didn't trace it. So. All right, now, now what you're going to do is I want you to draw it. Okay. To the right of it? Where sure. It? <laughs> I'm not going to make it really small. Here we go. So is there a difference in size? There is. I ran out of room. You ran out of room, okay. So the interpretation is that um, there's a little bit of a challenge in binocular vision integration. So if, if we were gonna do some eye therapy, I would probably do some things with the eye patch. I would certainly check the uh, asymmetrical tonic neck reflex and the tonic uh, symmetrical tonic neck reflex. That's what I'm seeing that is still present for you. I might do some very simple vectogram things, just non the non-variable ones, just can you put on the Polaroids and see some 3D and start to get you into to that situation. And then I might revisit this in a few weeks and see the improvement. So, um, you know, we all start somewhere. When I started, I, I, I was much worse than you were. Um, and so this is great that you're willing to to show us, you know, what what's possible. So um, any any final words? Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Thank okay. you. Good. Did that help Susan? You're welcome. Anybody else? Any anything else anybody wants to see or you'll have to try it out. I'll leave forms up here so you guys can all try it. <laughs>
Okay, thanks, Dr. Reed. Okay, so um, I think we're winding down here. We've got a few minutes left. Um, I can talk a little bit about peripheral vision if you want to, or anything else you want me to to talk about. Does anybody have anything else around the chiroscope? Do you all feel okay giving it a try? Yeah. And if you want to, um, we didn't get to see really anybody to do the VO star. So, um, you know what, Dr. Byrne, uh, would you rather us just watch some videos that we already have um, done of you coaching a kid through the VO star? Or um, would you like to take someone through it now? Or would you guys rather hear some more about peripheral vision? Yeah, we do have videos. Okay. And you know what? We could also do it as a part of a study group when Dr. Byrne isn't here too. Just kind of take someone through it so that you guys could see a demo. We could do that. Okay. So let's use the last five minutes for peripheral vision. Okay. So with peripheral vision, I call this, I call peripheral vision uh, our safety vision, meaning that it's the part of our vision that is so important as it relates to our, our ability to motor in the world. It's related to our vestibular system. And in today's um, world, what, what happens is, is because we're so over focalized because of um, our screens and close work, that when we start tunneling our vision, two things happen. Number one, our peripheral vision starts to go away. And number two, our vestibular system becomes desensitized. And when somebody is under visual stress and they start shutting down one of their eyes in suppression, they're basically cutting down or cutting off about 50% of their peripheral vision. Peripheral vision gives us memory, depth, balance, orientation. So in developing peripheral vision, there's a real connection between the peripheral vision and engaging our, our parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is more of the, the tunnel, the, the detail, and the parasympathetic nervous system is more of the periphery. So right there, that tells you, you know, where is the child in terms of the, the balance of the sympathetic parasympathetic response. Stress, trauma, and toxicity also play into reducing the peripheral vision. So knowing those things. Also wearing corrective glasses. Somebody comes in and you're working with them and they wear the glasses 
to see detail, it's a great opportunity for you in the therapeutic setting to start to uh, take the glasses off and just do things in free space. So um, the eye patch is really beneficial equally on each side and you really gain a lot of peripheral vision when you take the patch off after you've done the exercise. Try it yourself, wear the patch for a few minutes, just you know, walking around the clinic. And then as soon as you take the patch off, you're gonna notice the eye that doesn't have the patch anymore sees things much brighter and much clearer and it has to reorganize with the right eye now or vice versa. So the eye patch is a wonderful way to expand peripheral vision. Color therapy is another way to expand peripheral vision. Just by looking at different colors stimulates the retina cells and it creates more uh, photoreceptor activity, which is going to grow the peripheral vision. So think about with your kids, you know, are they able to see things off to the side? Do they have to move their head in order to see things? Or are they able to, to, to see things in the side vision? And this is my last point. I'm going to leave you with this last piece of um, information. And that is this. One of the best ways to develop peripheral vision is by practicing motoring backwards. You've seen me do this a lot. I'm always exploring how is a person's backspace? You know, the back is our survival and the front is our, our engagement, is our social engagement. And we think about the moro reflex. The moro is hug a tree. I want to engage. And so we've got the the moro going this way, but we need the moro going back as well. That That's such a neat, whether you do it on a physio ball or you do it, you know, where mom is or the therapist is is back, is back uh, the child's back is to the person's front and you're helping them. But that back body is really helpful in developing that peripheral. Can they hop backwards, skip backwards? gallop backwards? Can they jump rope backwards? Uh, so going backwards is a way to develop that backspace, that 360 vision that is going to open up the periphery. I'll leave you with this last point. Um, I was seeing somebody who was diagnosed with a condition called retinitis pigmentosa. And this is a, a genetic retinal dystrophy where a person pretty in an accelerated fashion begins to lose their peripheral vision. It's very scary, almost to the point where they see out of pinholes. And what I do with these people at this point, what I've learned is I give them base down yoke prisms, which opens up their periphery immediately. And then I have them do a lot of exercises walking backwards, going backwards, and then doing some you know, dietary supplementation to boost the retina, that's another thing, but the going backwards is something that they've all said has been very helpful to them in remembering their visual peripheral vision. And remember, 60% of the brain is doing our vision. So even though we might have an eye deficit, if we engage the brain differently, 
that is going to translate to the eyes opening up. So developing the parasympathetic nervous system more, um, addressing the stress trauma and toxicity, motoring backwards, using the eye patch, using the base down yoke prisms, or just putting them on the vectogram so that they're, they're developing a better 3D experience. Those are all ways for you to anchor the peripheral vision. And then if you bring in the vestibular things that you do, that's also gonna help anchor the peripheral vision. So I think I'll leave it there. And yeah, one um, question, one question before you go. Go ahead. Um, All right. As far as going backwards, would it be the same if you were like pulling a child backwards on something moving or do they themselves have to be doing like the motor plan of moving backwards? Well, I think both are in play. It kind of depends on their level. Um, so I, I would do both okay. and, um, you know, just kind of see where they are. I mean, I, for me to think about it, I think doing both is really valuable and you know having some kind of an obstacle situation where they have to look over their shoulder and you know motor around i i mean i've seen some miracles where when kids learn to skip backwards their reading gets better they're less in their survival circuits when when we ignore our back body our survival circuits are running the show whether it's fear paralysis moro or just we're in a polyvagal type of situation. So explore that relationship of the back body to the survival circuits and see what you come up with. Great, that's great. Okay, Okay, we did it. well, it's been a pleasure. We did it in an hour, fantastic. All right, Thank well, you. any more questions, just send me an email and Thanks so much for your attention and best of luck to you all. Thank you, Dr. Byrne. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.